Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. John chapter 12 verses 1 through 7 says, Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper. And Mary served, Martha served, and, but, but Lazarus was the one who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. Someone say, the house was filled. The house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant, fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? And given to the poor. Now, now most most Bible teachers have said that that is about a, a year's wages. That's about a year's wages. And so he looked at that and said, you know, we could have sold it and given the money to the poor. But listen to what the scripture says. Then he said, then he said not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. He was so used to taking, every now and then, taking something from there. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. She was intentional in saving it for that day. And what most people called waste, Jesus called worship. In this series, we're talking about the gift of Christ. Christ, we understand, means the anointing. And during this season, we are going to learn about the anointing and the gift that Christ really intended for us to have. The reason why he was born, the reason why he was crucified buried and rose again and then poured his spirit out and came in the form of the Holy Spirit. He came to anoint us to continue to do what he was called to do. And so this morning we're going to be talking about how to release the anointing in our life. How to release it. I'm going to give you four quick principles. I want you to grab a hold of this and I pray today that you're blessed that you would be encouraged, not be intimidated, not be fearful, not be and feel like you're inadequate, but God has called you to exercise your faith so you can see things move in your life, move out of your life, and things happen in your life. That's what God's called you to do. Somebody turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are anointed by God. You're anointed by God. Now somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Before you're seated, say this one more time. You've come too late to tell me this isn't real. I know it's real. Give God some praise. You can be seated this Sunday morning. There are way too many people worldwide that are experiencing 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit in every denomination, not just in the non-denominational world. It is the phenomena that, that, that happened on the day of Pentecost, and some thought it was just for that day. But I've learned that any time anyone is hungry for more of God, God will fill you. When you. If it's in the Bible, I don't know how you feel about it, but when I read about it and I believe it and the Scripture's emphatic about it, it's not just one portion of Scripture. Let me encourage you how to read your Bible. I know this is fundamental and practical, but when you read your Bible, don't just read one chapter or one verse and build a whole doctrine around it. Read that verse and then read before and after and consider the whole book to, to get the reality of what they're trying to say, what the writers were trying to say to the Holy Spirit. Because when God talks about the anointing, he doesn't just put it in a box. He doesn't just put it in a container so you and I can just marvel at it and look at it. He didn't encase it within the Bible or in the scriptures so we can go back and relate and look and just simply look at it by saying, you know what, I think I've had that experience. I'm not sure. Um, That sounds great. It's amusing. It's entertaining. The Bible is not a book of entertainment. The Bible is a book of encountering. The Bible is a book of experience. Everything in that book, everything in that book was geared for one thing, to experience the love, the power, and the joy and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. A book without an experience becomes just another study. The Bible, when you read it without the experience, becomes another religion. I want you to think about this for a moment. You see, the Bible, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. The Bible is the only book you can read where the author is present. The Bible is the only book you can read where the author is present every time. There is no other book. Just bear with them. They're working with me. We're okay, right? The Bible is the only book. And so when you read about this, The experience that Mary had, Jesus said, what she did today, because all of you are criticizing her. Some of you are saying if if you only knew what kind of woman she was or if, if you knew what that cost, you would have saved it and sold it and gave it. Everyone had their opinion. And it's just like the church and religion and, and people who aren't really, you know, uh, they're skeptical. You are going to have skeptics. You're going, there's going to be skeptics that come to this church. And they're going to say, I don't know about all that. Why does she have to get all excited up there? Why does that pastor have to yell? Is he mad at somebody? I'm not going to that church. They're always mad over there. (laughs) No. It's a passion. It's a real experience. People have been forgiven. People have been set free. 
People have gratitude and people feel the realness and the reality of the Spirit of God. See, God is tangible. You can feel God if you want God. You can feel God if you want God. And Mary had, I mean, so much to be thankful for. First of all, her brother was raised from the dead after four days. She had been forgiven by the Lord. And so she intentionally, she saved up. She didn't just give, uh, you know, some dollar store perfume, if you will. Now, sometimes you can find some good deals at the dollar store, no doubt. But she didn't come in and give, you know, (laughs) Hannah Montana perfume. (laughs) She saved up an ointment that cost a year's wages. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have a perfume or cologne in your house, one bottle that cost you about a year's wages? That's all I'm asking. Think about this. Do you have something that expensive? To activate the anointing, and this is the perfect example, Jesus said, because of what she did, I'm going to publicize it all over the world, and they're going to know about this woman. And I think we need to know about her to learn how to operate and function because in the spirit and with the anointing in our life because she anointed god with something physical and tangible but there's there is a direct reflection on how we need to approach god with our anointing point number one i want to give you this right now she gave jesus her best we need to give jesus our best give jesus your best she, she lavished upon Jesus a very costly perfume. More than a year's wages and value was used up in the moment, and we call that extravagant giving. I've learned that extravagant givers are blessed. People that go above and beyond, because the Scripture says, in the measure which you give it is the measure you receive. It, 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 that's right, right? Pressed down, shaken together, running over shall people give into your bosom. And that's just not finances. That's speaking of anything that you give. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, that will they also reap. That very expensive ointment that she offered was worth something. It was her best. And she saved the best for last because it happened at the Last Supper. She saved her best for a moment. She was saving it, is what Jesus said. This reminds me of David. When you read about David in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and 24, and you can write this down, there was a rich man who offered David the means to offer sacrifice to God. And David's response to this rich man was, I appreciate your gift, but I'm not going to give God anything that didn't cost me nothing. I can't give God something that didn't cost me a thing. The principle behind how David was very successful as a king, even though he made mistakes, David was always, always giving God his best. The reason why David was forgiven is because God, God received the best from David when he repented. I mean, let me tell you something. There are different levels of 
repentance and asking for repentance and asking for forgiveness. I believe that day when David made the mistake and David killed a man and David committed adultery, David came back and gave God his best repentance and brokenness in his life. I'm talking about muckles down the face, tears down your eyes. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You never got whipping or whipping before. And <laughs> sorry. Bring back some childhood memories, right? No, daddy. Anyhow, <laughs> David gave God his best. It was a principle. Read Psalms 51. David knew how to give. This was personal to David, but this was also personal to Mary. You see, an intimacy with God in order to receive the anointing. And when you get encountered with the anointing from God, you have to put value on what you're giving. You have to put, give God the most valuable time of your day. I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. I've known this for years. But I have taken it to another whole level personally in my life. I've learned there are two times of the day that are precious to God. And you can write this down. One is in the morning. The second one is in the evening. Because those are the times that you have for yourself. How many of you know this to be true? I mean, moms, how many moms can verify and tell me if you want some mom time, me time, you've got to do it early in the morning before anyone wakes up. And you got to do it late at night when everyone's asleep. Yes. Am I right? Yes. Well, if you study the scripture, many of the prophets and many of the men that were used greatly before God, they gave God the best of their time. They gave God their morning and they gave God their evening. That's why the church, again, is open every single morning. Because it is a secret. See, I don't believe giving God my best is giving him after I've given something else my best. That's called leftovers. It's leftovers. Now, I've gone to, the, to work out like many of you do in the morning at 4 o'clock, 4.30 or whatever, and then come to church. But I got to tell you, that 4.30 workout or that 5 o'clock workout, and yes, I do work out. Don't make me raise the hood now. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> that 4.30 time is not my best time. Okay. One, two, two, three, three, wait, four, five, wait, no, eight. That's not my best time. Your best time is when you have clarity, you're awake, and you can focus. God looks at what's your best, and when you give God your best, I'm going to tell you something, more valuable than money, time is the most valuable thing. What some people would do for more time, for more time, 
So when you begin to go to God, you begin to look at everything. The best of what you have is where you'll find the anointing. When you start giving God your best in time and treasure and in talent, those three areas. Someone say with me, time, time. talent, talent, and treasure. treasure. T3, those three things. When you give God the best in your moment in your life from those three areas and learn how to give it, if you're a teacher, then give God the best of that moment. I don't know how to do that. Where do I start? Start in the children's department. Give one day, one Sunday a month, one Wednesday a month. Try that out. I encourage everybody, give at least one or two services a month out of your life to help us build this church and let God use your talent let God use your talent. If you're a musician and if you're a singer, well, listen, don't just think you're the only one that, you know, you're, you can't be an audience of one yourself, okay? I got to be very touchy with this singing part because everybody thinks they can sing. How wonderful. I'm a singer. Now, if you can play the instrument, then that's a big difference, too. You, you, we know you can play. But, you know, you got to know. So do a tryout for your family first. <laughs> not the ones that live in your house and not in your shower. Okay, just making sure you know. God bless you all. Don't look around. Don't give yourself away. But you know what you're the best at. What I'm trying to tell you is this. If that's not your thing, that doesn't mean you don't do anything. You don't have to have the spotlight to be anointed. Some of you are anointed to greet people. Some of you are anointed to care for people and go out in the community and feed the hungry, bless the less fortunate, and do things. Some of you are money makers and know how to give, and your giving is your best. There's some things everyone has to offer, but there's nothing no one has. To, you know, everyone has something to offer. Someone say, give Jesus your best. The second thing is you got to be genuine. She was genuine in what she did. When she, you remember, we're giving God our anointing. That's the whole purpose of this lesson, to recognize you're not doing it for anybody else but him. Be genuine. Mary offered her gift in, with a, a genuinely sincere heart, with tears down her face. It wasn't an act or it wasn't a show. It wasn't to impress anybody and it wasn't a performance that was designed. It wasn't. I mean, she didn't walk into the supper room and I guarantee you she didn't walk in and, you know, my ointment. Right? He, I wonder what that looked like on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hi. Come on, ointment. I guarantee you she walked in like this. I, I guarantee you she was very humble about it. She didn't want to show it. She probably walked in like this with it. Probably came and just bypassed everyone, maybe in the middle of a conversation. I guarantee you she wasn't even considering who Jesus was talking to or who was talking to him. I promise you, she walked into that room with the expectation that I'm going to honor him. And I know these men, think about this, women. Think about this, ladies. 
She was walking into a room filled with men. Men with opinions. Men who knew her past. She walked in the middle of all of these men. And she knelt down and she began to anoint his feet. It was a personal gift. It was a personal personal gift. See, here's what the Lord said to, to the woman at the well. He said this in John chapter 4, verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23 says, Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true worshipers, someone say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Do you know that, that there's another verbiage, another phrase for that uh, spirit and truth throughout the scripture? You'll find it in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14, where it says Joshua told them to worship the Lord and come before him and serve him in sincerity and truth. And then again, in 1 Chronicle, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, write that down. It's found there again to come to the Lord and give him sincerity and truth. See, having the right spirit means that you are sincere about what you are doing. You are genuine. That means you come to church or you come into a prayer meeting or you're going to give God and serve God. You're not serving just people. You're serving God's people and God himself. You got to get the concept down. The anointing is found when you give as unto the Lord, when you do it out of sincerity. That's why Paul begins to write to the church and tells them, don't do service and give eye service to your bosses, but do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because if you do it for show or performance, God won't anoint that. But if you do it as unto the Lord, the anointing's going to come on you even at work, even in public, even in your workspace, no matter where it's at. I'm telling you, the anointing wasn't just meant to be in a church house. The anointing was meant to be displayed to the world. See, the anointing is when God's spirit, the Christ that lives in you, is allowed to express himself through you. And he will help you through your physical body. Now, there is a difference between the anointing and the glory of God. You need to be taught this. Write this down if you're taking notes. The glory of God... It's when no one can be identified with getting the credit. The glory of God shows up when everyone's in unison. And God moves. No one has to touch anyone to be healed. No one has to touch anyone to be delivered. No one has to touch you to set you free from nicotine, drugs, any addictions in your life. How many, how many of you are here that God has set free from any of those vices in your life? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Those things are real. God sets you free. But the anointing comes upon you, works through you, and begins to help you. The anointing. When the glory of God functions, you can't feel a thing. 
You can't feel it. And you're kind of just looking around thinking, now you feel the worship, you feel the spirit of God, and you feel that, but you don't feel the, the same way about the anointing because God has sent his angels to work, to minister, do his thing. Is this too much? It's the reality. You need to hear about this kind of stuff because God is real. And you can experience these things with a sincere heart by giving him your best and being genuine. But here's, here's the key, through sincerity. So when what we offer to God in front of others is from the heart without pretense or pretext, when we begin to help others, like Mary, when she brought the offering, that fragrant that she had, that fragrance, and the fragrance like the presence of God, or the anointing will fill the house where you're at. And you don't have to tell anybody, God used me. They're going to know God used you. That's why it's hard to take the credit for anything God does because when you have a reality check and know who you really are, I mean, think about the unsaved you and the saved you now. Think about the difference between the two because there are two kinds of you. There's a carnal you and there's a spirit-filled you. And you can still become the carnal you without praying and without seeking God and getting dry. You can. I've learned that throughout the years. If I don't pray every day, if I don't read the scriptures every day, if I don't go to him sincerely every day, I'm going to get dry. I'm going to start thinking carnal. I'm going to be offended. I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to walk in fear. And I know that me. I hate that me. That's the dumb me. I don't like that me. I like the submitted me. I like the one who bows down at his feet me. I like the one who says, Lord, I need you. That me, that's the me I like. I like that me. That me knows how to act. That me knows how to respond to trouble. That's the guy that knows how to recognize a problem and see it as an opportunity because the spirit inside of you begins to recognize and help you see that you're humble and God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud that's why you can never feel like in any time in your life look what i have done look what i have gained look what i have worked hard for hold on a second had you not had good health had you not been in your right mind had god not given you wisdom and understanding had you not had a knowledge had you not been in good spirit you would have never gained or had what you have right now somebody give god the glory and say jesus did it Jesus did it. Repeat this after me. I have what I have. I get what I get. Because God does it. Somebody give him some praise. Come on. Now that's for the believer. I can tell you about heathen kings in the scripture that built their kingdoms and they were nowhere near God. They were pagan worshipers. But one by the name of Nebuchadnezzar when he was in the scripture... In the scripture, it says that he one day looked out from the, from the balcony of his high tower and said, look what I have built. Look what I have done. And God said, huh, you did it, huh? Let me take it from you for a little bit and show you how much you can actually do. He lost his mind. But one day he found himself in the field like an animal. Long hair, long nails, dirty, filthy cochino. Dirty. And he 
and God touched him and said, and he said, as he looked up to heaven, Lord, now I know it was you. You're the one who sets up kings and you set them down. God restored him and also gave him back his kingdom. Telling you, that's why, that's why I'm gonna give you a revelation. God spoke to me this morning. Well, I feel like, I feel like God spoke to me, right? Oh my God, God spoke to you. Yeah, God talks to everybody if, you, if you're in a relationship with him. But he speaks to me in the word. But here's what I know. You see, he lost his kingdom for a moment, but how many times did Israel lose their kingdom? How many times did Israel lose the kingdom? Israel lost the kingdom so many times. Why? Most of it evolved around pagan worship. Most of it evolved because they were sinning. Most of it evolved because they had a king who was misleading them, and they would lose the ark, or they would lose favor with God. And so God finally said, you know what? I am tired of them losing my kingdom. God had an idea, and he said, you know what? You know what I'm going to do next time? I'm not going to give them the kingdom because, because Israel said in the first chapter of the book of Acts, will you at this time, they asked Jesus, restore the kingdom to Israel. And God said, it's not appointed for you to know the times and the seasons that the fathers put in his hands, but after you receive the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power. So in other words, God says, I'm not going to give them the kingdom like I used to give them. I'm going to put the kingdom inside of them now. I'm going to put the kingdom inside of them so they don't lose it this time. And I'm never going to leave them, and I'm never going to forsake them. Do you understand what I'm talking about? The anointing that God gives you, no one can touch it. No one can move you. The devil can't shake you. The devil can't put fear in your heart. There is nothing in this world that can come against the power of God. Nothing in this world. God put the kingdom inside of us now because they kept losing it. They kept losing. That's an awesome revelation. They kept losing it. But God said, they're not going to lose it this time. I'm going to put it inside of them, and I'm going to reign through them. And that's what we're talking about. He was anointed to be king, and that kingly anointing falls into your life. Someone say, we reign with Jesus. Someone say, the Bible says, we are seated with him. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Means that you get to sit with the king. And if the king is anointed in your life, guess what? You're anointed too. To reign as a king. Uh, thank you, Lord. Point number three, keep Jesus at the center. Keep G I gotta move on. Keep Jesus at the center. Mary wasn't following the crowd when she bestowed her gift upon Jesus. And she certainly wasn't doing it for the crowd. In fact, she was harshly criticized. Judas looked at her and said, she's just wasting money. She, 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 she put off everyone else. And she wasn't intimidated by the others in their presence and their criticism. I want you to think about this. Because there's going to be people that come into your life, they're going to question your walk with God. Was it real? Did you really get that experience? Uh, are you really a good person, a changed person? Are you really 
I mean, you're going to church and everything, but oh, I, I got I to gotta see. Right? You know, you know how some people, I won't say Mexicanos, but you know how people are sometimes. It doesn't matter what culture you're from. White, Mexican, black. doesn't matter what culture you're from. Everyone becomes a skeptic. And they want to see. They want to see, is it the real deal? And guess what? Sometimes it's just like the devil for you to trip up and fall in front of everybody so they can see. You know why God allows you to trip and fall in front of everybody? Because he wants the same people that saw you fall to be the same people to see you get up. The same people who see you fall and stumble are going to be the same people that God uses to see and verify that he picks you up, cleans you off, restores you, and makes you stronger, wiser, and better than you were before. That's right. The same people who saw your body and your life fall apart are going to be the same people that are going to see God put your body and your life back together. Got to be a testimony. Our life is a testimony before him, but when you keep Jesus at the center, you're not worried about what anybody else thinks. You're not worried about what everybody else thinks. You see, the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume because she honored him and she broke it. She dumped the whole thing. It was all for him. All for you, Lord. And in that moment, it could have been, oh my gosh. I mean, that was the men. That was just the men. I'm sure there were women there too. I'm sure there were women there too that weren't on board with what she did. I mean, can you imagine the women? I mean, like afterwards, right? I know some women would have been like, oh, After she left, you know what? (laughs) Harry, honey, go get the towel. A towel. (laughs) Right? Free free perfume. (laughs) I mean, what is she doing? What is she doing? (laughs) I mean, everybody... Listen, I'm sure, I am sure, I'm just guessing, not everybody's on board with you living for God. I mean, maybe not everybody agrees, not everybody sees, but they don't know what you know when you come into God's presence, how you feel and what you experience and what's there. Keep Jesus at the center. And here's the last point I'm going to give you today, and this is so important. Point number four, move when the Spirit says, move. That is the key. So you've you've given God your best. You're sincere and genuine about your approach. No ulterior motives, no strings attached. You're doing it as unto the Lord. You've kept Jesus at the center, and you don't care what anybody else thinks. Your life is sold out to him because he is the king of all things, and you recognize that. You recognize that darkness has no hold on you anymore. You recognize that people have opinions, but God's is truth. He reigns in your life. 
But here's when the anointing flows. It's when you move when God says move. It's when you pray when God says pray. I wasn't going to say nothing, but I'm going to say it right now. I taught someone a Bible study yesterday. I love teaching Bible studies still and being personal with people. I taught them on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we prayed in that moment afterwards, and God moved, but she didn't receive her prayer language. And I was so disappointed, but God spoke to me, and he began to talk to, to me, and I felt him encourage and say, he's going to choose the time and the season, and there's an appointed time. This morning, God woke me up at 3 o'clock to pray for her. Three o'clock in the morning, he woke me up and said, now pray, I'm going to do it. And I prayed, prayed for hours. I'm not trying to honk my horn, but I'm, this is my reward from that. I'm giving it out. But I have to use it as a lesson. This morning, I, we got a text that she knelt down to pray and God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm going to get her to get a testimony soon. Can I say a little bit more? Can I say where you came from? Is this okay? It, it, it happened to Melissa Medina. Raise your hand, Melissa. Want to hear something crazy? That's my boss's wife. That's my wife's boss. Sorry. That was a mix-up, right? Guess what? That's my boss's wife. That's my wife's boss. She's an awesome lady. But here's, here's what I'm going to say. Here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's the amazing part. The amazing part is God moved on her. My wife has been praying for her, and God anoints my wife at work, and she can testify to this. And I'm, I'm just telling you how the anointing works. I have to use our experiences to show you how it works every single morning. She doesn't know this. My wife isn't supposed to be there. She was supposed to, and then God tells her, stay there. Why? For one reason, to reach. I'm by my wife every single morning, and my wife gives God her best by being here in the morning. And I'm, yeah, I am honking our horn for a moment because you have to see how this works. So you have to give God your best and be sincere. And I have heard my wife on a number of occasions pray and call this lady's name out. And we took action and taught a study and fell through with it and kept Jesus at the center. But in the middle of all of this, no one knows she is facing trouble and persecution from her family because she used to be a Jehovah's Witness. That's amazing. It's okay, Melissa. But God filled her with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just saying this for a reason. Now, I think the whole family's wanting to come in. We're going to pray and believe God for the whole family. 
Only God can take a Jehovah's Witness and make him a Jesus Witness. And fill him with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. Somebody say amen. Now, this is why I'm sharing this with you, because who do you have in your family that needs Jesus? Who do you have on your job that needs Jesus? The anointing wasn't just meant for you to keep it at church. The anointing was meant for you to carry it outside of work. How do you do that? Be sincere. Give God your best. Keep him at the center and let him move when God says move. Many times when God says move, it's not like, you know, you got to come in like a Comanche Indian and go, ah, in Jesus' name. Right? Huh? You ever seen these moves? We get it all mixed up. Sometimes God says love people. Well, how can you love people? Through the anointing. He anoints you to love people. He'll use a gift of prophecy through you without having to be weird about it. He'll use a word of knowledge without having to be weird about it. He'll anoint you wherever you're at. He'll anoint your business. He'll anoint your coworkers. He'll anoint you. He'll anoint your wife. He'll anoint your children. Here's the key. Come on, Haley. Mary was criticized, but Jesus said, leave her alone. He he said it was intended that she saved the perfume for my burial. That means that there's an appointed time for the anointing. You want to know something awesome, son? You want to know something awesome? There are three times in the scripture when Jesus was anointed. Before the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, after his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and the second and the third time was is when the ladies showed up at the burial site trying to anoint him. Here's the difference. The ladies who showed up at the burial for, to anoint him couldn't do it because he was already gone. They were out of timing. But Mary knew, and she did it before she was on time. You got to know the time and when God wants to anoint you and use you. And it's just as simple as hearing his voice. And you can hear his voice when you spend enough time with him. Someone said, you know why people don't hear the voice of God? Because nacho chips makes too much noise. <laughs> you you can hear God's voice through your obedience and I close with this through your obedience in a single moment the anointing of the Holy Spirit is released thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast if you enjoyed today's message then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.